Welcome to Barely Audible Whisper, a weekly NPR parody podcast. Wrong. As always, our Trump impersonator is a woman, because we hear he hates that. Your Joe Biden son impersonator should be a woman because he got a hundred teen bajillion dozillion and forty twenty eleven teen dollars from China. A weekly NPR parody podcast. That's totally fake. But we really are an NPR parody podcast brought to you in part by the following sponsors. The real sponsors is the mayor of Moscow, who gave you forty twelve teen thousand the letter Q gajillion dollars. The Trump University Interrupting Debate School. No, because you're the one who interrupted me. Where being loud is more important than being right. The presidential white supremacist. What about Antifa? Stand by safe space for white supremacists to stand by. Providing a safe space for the Proud Boys. Uh, never heard of them. To stand down, stockpile, and stand by. And Exacerbation, a new fragrance by Joe Biden. When there's nothing you can do to shut that clown up. The mail is a conspiracy to teach white people to hate America. Exacerbation. From the makers of No Malarkey. I am Dave. And I am Molly. And I want it to be my turn to talk. And our voices, like Chris Wallace's ability to keep things under control, are almost too small to measure. Our top story this week. 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 Reporters for the New York Times obtained President Trump's tax returns and discovered that the president, who claims to be a billionaire, barely paid $700 in income tax last year. The Times also discovered that this tax bill, which is lower than the tax bill of the average teacher, is actually unusual because most years the president pays zero taxes. The report also disclosed that President Trump is more than $400 million in debt, which makes him a national security liability. The report also reveals numerous dubious write-offs and deceitful asset valuations, including the fact that he reported drastically different information on his tax returns than he did on his public financial disclosure statements, which makes him criminally liable. The report also disclosed that as the host of The Apprentice, Trump deducted $70,000 worth of business expense for hair care, which makes a sketch comedy premise. Welcome to your so vain. You probably planned this salon to be about you. How can I? Ah! Sorry. I just looked up and I thought a reanimated ferret that died of toxic hair dye poisoning was burrowing into your scalp. News that is fake. As always, our Trump impersonator is still a woman because we hear he still hates that. One day I'm going to come up with a catchy phrase to describe news that I don't like as news that is fake. I was foretold of this hairpocalypse in a dream. I thought I was just stoned, but apparently you're real. I need my most tremendous hair to look even more most tremendous because I have a TV show about business. And nothing is most importantest to business than a comb over so bigly you can hide Russian money underneath it. I'm going to need to consult with my team on this one. Mike Pence, I'm not gay. Right, you just hang out in this Manhattan salon all day to keep an eye on the sinners or whatever silliness you were trying to say through the gag I put in your mouth. I think that this man's penis, I mean hair, is magnificent. The way it blocks the sunlight from picking it up because its coloration doesn't exist in the natural spectrum of light. Uh, I don't know what that means, but it sounds flattering. I like this guy. 
I have seen this color before. The way it's combed over from so far away, like an asylum-seeking refugee who's traveled many miles to be denied entry at the border. When I was in Russia working as prostitute, we used to pee on our clients so that Putin could bribe them. When they hook our urine, we'd mix together with the soulless greed that lives in the hair follicles of treasonous business failures, the chemical reaction would create this effect. Chemical reaction? That sounds like science. Science is the devil's penis. I mean, playground. So, Svetlana, if you peed in his hair again, it should create the same effect. Obviously, because science can be replicated. I shouldn't be here. This is wicked. And yet I've never felt so alive. All right, Mr. Dead Ferrethead, I recommend the full Russian hooker urine treatment. Yay! I love hooker urine. I hope to one day be in a position to worship that golden calf-colored, divinely fraudulent head of hair and the divinely fraudulent golden calf whose penis, I mean best brain, rests underneath it. Of course, this procedure is very expensive. I'll sell out America, boy. No, we need actual money. I'm really, really rich. No, we need actual money. How much? Seventy thousand dollars. Let's see, that's seventy years worth of what I pay in total income tax on the rare occasions that I do pay an income tax. If you don't have the money, perhaps you would like to put some treason on the railway? Of course I have the money. I'm the mostiest, successfulest, most busiestest businessman. No, we need actual money. I'll call Daddy. Hello, Daddy. Uh, listen, Daddy, so I need a haircut. The hooker here, and it, it comes with it. That's part of the deal. I love you. Oh, he hung up. Conservative Supreme Court Justice and Reason Corporations are considered more of a human being than minorities, Antonin Scalia, died in February of 2016, almost 300 days before an election. Almost as soon as Justice Scalia was pronounced dead, Senate Majority Leader and evil tortoise Mitch McConnell pronounced that President Obama would not be allowed to nominate a replacement. Antonin Scalia is dead. I'm calling the time of death at... <laughs> Eventually, there will be an election, so it would be unconstitutional for the current president, who the people elected to select a Supreme Court justice, when eventually someone else will be elected president. (laughs) 8.45pm. Republican Senator and whinier Tennessee Williams character Lindsey Graham concurred, swearing that he would do exactly the same thing if a Republican were president. I want you to use my words against me. Hold this tape. If there's a Supreme Court vacancy in an election year, we will not confirm a nominee, even if there's a Republican president. Four years later, with just over 40 days remaining before a presidential election, 
Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg died. Ruth Bader Ginsburg is dead. I am calling the time of death at... <laughs> yeah. well, we have to confirm President Trump's nominee because there already was an election. So it would be unconstitutional to not allow the current president to appoint a Supreme Court justice. <laughs> Fourth and Remember all those silly little words I told you to hold against me? Well, when I said we will not confirm a nominee, if you just omit the little insignificant old word not from that statement, then I said we will confirm a nominee, and you really ought not not omit the word not, and if you ought not not, then that's a double negative, which is a positive, which means we will confirm a nominee. T5 p.m. This naked Republican hypocrisy, whereby they invented a nonsensical rule using an appeal to a non-existent constitutional principle to block a Supreme Court confirmation eight months away from an election, and then the very next election appealed to the opposite non-existent constitutional principle to negate the nonsensical rule they made up, is actually not that surprising when you consider the naked hypocrisy of the legal philosophy that's driving their naked hypocrisy. For a deeper look at the naked hypocrisy of the legal philosophy driving Republicans' naked hypocrisy, Barely Audible Whisper turns to the ghost of Justice Scalia. Hello, I'm Justice Scalia, and if you're like most people, you probably remember me as the guy whose name sounds vaguely familiar. And then somebody says, wasn't he on the Supreme Court or something? And you say, yeah, that sounds right. In fact, I think I read recently that he was Ruth Bader Ginsburg's friend. And then they say something that they read recently about Ruth Bader Ginsburg that's more interesting than me. So the conversation quickly moves away from me. But as it turns out, I'm actually pretty important. <laughs> Justice Scalia was an originalist, which means he believes that all laws should have to conform to the original intent of the Constitution a document that was ratified 233 years ago, before slavery was a settled moral issue. Because it's not like much has changed since then. <laughs> That's right. I was perhaps the most famous originalist justice in the history of the Supreme Court which is why I insist that the Constitution be interpreted as a document designed to weaken the centralized authority of the federal government. But wasn't the Constitution specifically written to strengthen the federal government, which was in danger of failing because the Articles of Confederation decentralized too much authority to the states? Yes, but that doesn't matter because most people remember the Articles of Confederation the same way they remember me, as that thing that sounds familiar and they may have read recently was friends with Ruth Bader Ginsburg. You don't honestly think people believe that Ruth Bader Ginsburg and 18th century defunct legal document were friends? Why not? The President of the United States believes in injecting bleach and thinks that Frederick Douglass is still alive. Quite, but most people aren't nearly as dumb as the President. True but I still convinced a lot of them that the Constitution specifically advocates for small government by swearing that the idea for bigger government post-dates the Constitution. 
which is irrelevant, but theoretically anything that came after the Constitution is not technically in the Constitution. So it violates the original intent of the Constitution. So for example, you can oppose attempts to regulate guns that can fire more than 60 rounds in a minute. Because even though the Second Amendment was written in the time of muskets, we're still obligated to honor what you believe was its original intent. Yes, it's completely idiotic, but because it's so idiotic, you can use it to justify anything you want. That's the genius of its idiocy. But the Second Amendment specifically relegates the right to bear arms for the purposes of a well-armed militia. So shouldn't that mean that as long as gun regulations target individuals, and not militias, that they're within the original intent? But militias were basically rendered irrelevant when America decided to employ a huge standing army. But if you have to go by the original intent, despite the evolution in gun technology, why don't you have to go by the intent regarding the evolution of an American standing army? For the same reason Obama couldn't appoint a Supreme Court justice after I died. But Trump can now. <laughs> uh, the Constitution says whatever we say it says. <laughs> That's the genius of the idiocy. I'm going to close the Ouija board circle now. As above, so below. Get out of here, ghosty bro. And now, a brief message from First Lady Melania Trump. As gold-digging trophy wife, I am not supposed to do anything. But as First Lady, they make me do stuff. I very much do not like this, but is better than going back into pornography. So, I do the best. Anti-bullying campaign. Bullying is bad, unless you're the president. And nobody likes a bully, except the sycophantic 30% who are taken with a cult of personality. So if you're a bully, you won't grow up to be successful. You might become president. Be, be best. best. Many people say it's hypocritical for a wife of bully to do anti-bullying campaign. But anti-bully campaign was actually secret strategy for making my bully husband even bigger bully. Impossible to make biggest bull even bullier bully, you say? I say, look at the debate. As always, our Trump impersonator is a woman because we're trying to stand up to bullies. We need real leadership. Your dead son is dead. Does that make you want to cry? Or do you want to do a bunch of coke with your cokehead son, who's actually been clean for years, but he had a problem once, and I'm going to talk shit about it? Mr. President, you agreed to- Shut up, bitch boy. I can do whatever I want, because Joe Biden is a communist fraud mailbox. How did bully become even bigger bully, while pretending to care about victims of bullying? I probably would have won the debate if we had a debate, but that was less of a debate and more of, I don't know what it was, but I cried in the shower afterwards. I was actually gathering information for the best about bully techniques. You, child, come here. Um, you want me to describe the ways in which I've been bullied? Yes. 
specifically during presidential debate. I mean, uh, when uh, trying to express something important. Well, this one time I was trying to convince a bunch of other kids that we could fix all of the problems that the bully caused if we stopped letting the bully be in charge. But the bully kept interrupting me and screaming a bunch of lies. Uh, interrupting, screaming, lies. Good, good. Continue, continue. And most of the lies didn't even make any sense at all. Don't make any sense. And, 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 then, and then he started telling really personal, really mean lies about my family for no reason at all. And then he beat the crap out of this kid named Chris Wallace who for some reason didn't do anything to stop it. Why about family? Kick crap up the Vakaris Wallace. Your, your campaign agreed that you wouldn't do this. <laughs> Why are you doing this? I compiled list and made report for Donald. Most people cannot get Donald to read reports. Mr. President, I have an important classified military intelligence report for you to read. I already told you I'll read the report as soon as I finished rage tweeting while watching Fox News. You told me that four years ago when I brought you your first briefing. I'm still not finished rage tweeting while watching Fox News. But I have ways of making him read. Uh, what the hell? I tried to grab you by the pussy, but I grabbed this report instead. You should read it. Fake news, wife trophy. This report is the bigliest, bigly report I've ever seen. I refuse to read that much. It's less than a full page. Fake news, fake boobs. This report is so bigly, it makes my most bigliest hands look small. Very well, Donald. Since you are not busy reading a report, you are available for quality family time with me. And our son, Baron. Can't talk. I'm busy reading the report. Be the best. best. Donald Trump's campaign seems to have banked much of their strategy on portraying Joe Biden as a mentally declining old man. It's an interesting tactic for a campaign of a 74-year-old man who can't walk up a ramp, but it seems to be working on some unfathomably undecided voters. During Tuesday's debate, the only possible strategic reason for Trump's bullyish bombardment of interruptions anytime Biden spoke is to provoke Biden's stutter. And it worked. While Biden had no trouble staying on topic, he was guilty of some word burgers that in a normal year might have doomed a campaign. Look, the, the tax code that put him in a position that he pays less tax on the money a school teacher makes is because of him. But even if Biden had remained poised, sharp, and articulate, Trump's loyalists already had their explanation lined up. Joe Biden's on drugs. That's why he doesn't seem mentally deficient when we all know he is. For more on this, we go to our logic expert, Occam's Razor. Hello, I'm Occam's Razor, a personification of the idea that the simplest explanation is most often the correct one. Trump supporters have never heard of me. 
Drug test Joe Biden. Trump's claims that Biden is on drugs is typical of the leaps in logic his supporters must make in order to continue supporting him. Joe Biden has dementia, which is why he's sometimes weak in debates. And if he seems like he doesn't have dementia because he's strong in a debate, he must have been on drugs. The simplest explanation, of course, is that he's an elderly man with a stutter and therefore not a great orator. Yet it seems that he's more mentally fit for office than Donald Trump. Because he is. Sure, Joe Biden seems sharper, smarter, and less unhinged than Trump. But that can't possibly be the truth because I don't want to give up on my belief that Trump is great. Ipso fipso, Joe Biden is on drugs. Some of Trump's supporters also jump through logical hoops to explain away his racism. When listening to Trump refusing to condemn white supremacists, seeing him share racist propaganda on Twitter, and call neo-Nazis very fine people, one could accept the simplest explanation that Trump is a white supremacist, or... He's joking. And besides, this is all part of his master strategy to bring Jesus back into government by using the support of white supremacists to hold on to his power. But he doesn't really believe that stuff. Obviously, the actual neo-Nazis and Proud Boys truly see Trump for who he is. And they like it. It's the religious Trump supporters who truly believe in both Jesus and Trump that are a mysterious defiance of logic. I know that what God cares most about is unborn babies and for America to outlaw abortion. Trump is his chosen instrument to make this happen. If that were true, why wouldn't God choose someone who espouses Christian values in their daily lives? Why choose the most un-Jesus-like person alive today? Trump used to be a vulgar, philandering, greedy pervert. But then Jesus came into his life and made him a better person. Sure, he still acts like a vulgar, philandering, greedy pervert. But there's photos of him holding a Bible, almost the correct side up, and praying. And that's good enough for me. There are also photos of the vast majority of Democratic politicians praying. Does that prove that they're devout Christians? How can they be Christians when they want gays to get married and kill babies? The simplest explanation, of course, is that Trump has realized the religious Republican base is an easily manipulated demographic eager to follow a leader unquestioningly. And so he gives them just enough to keep them in his fold. And opposing abortion is his chosen method. If Democrats want abortion to be legal, they must love dead babies. So they must be demon-possessed. Every one of them. The simplest explanation is that Democrats have put more rational thought into the issue of abortion and have come to the conclusion that it shouldn't be a government's decision to make. If Democrats love dead babies, they probably do lots of other evil stuff. Hey, have you heard that Democrats have an underground pedophile sex ring? That sounds like something evil. Trump is the one who has bragged about being able to walk into teenage girls' changing rooms. And he suggested he date his daughter if she wasn't his daughter. 
But if you're bought into the idea that Trump is here to save America from evil, the evil he's committed must pale in comparison to the evil he's preventing. And you end up with conspiracy theories like QAnon. The liberal cabal of Satan worshipers, like devout Catholics Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden, controls everything, and Republicans are the only thing that can stop them. Evidence for the QAnon theory includes... Nothing! But once one has committed oneself to the belief that Trump was ordained by God, these are the logical hoops you must jump through to maintain that belief. Trump was sent by God to save America. Therefore, a great evil must be threatening America. Therefore, that evil must be his opponents. Therefore, those opponents must be more evil than him. Ipso fipso, that evil must be Satan-worshipping pedophiles. Also, drinking bleach can cure COVID-19, but the media doesn't want you to know that because they want you to die from a hoax disease. Makes sense to me. The simplest explanation, however, remains that Trump is using you to maintain his power. And he'll say anything to maintain that power. And he knows that you're ultimately a single-issue voter. And that issue is abortion. No, that seems pretty far-fetched. Ipso-fipso, we're fucked. Supreme Court nominee and woman who thinks A Handmaid's Tale is a feel-good story, Amy Coney Barrett, belongs to a bizarre, far-right, predominantly Catholic Christian fringe group known as People of Praise. While a Supreme Court nominee's personal religious beliefs don't matter in general, if their specific religious beliefs violate the legal principles that separate the church from the state, those beliefs matter a lot. Each member of People of Praise, who believe in the God-ordained subservience of women, is assigned what is called a, quote, head, or spiritual advisor, who they must consult on all of their life decisions. Until recently, a female head was literally called a handmaid. Barely audible whisper imagined how this odd belief system might affect her work if she should succeed in becoming a Supreme Court justice. I call this deliberation of the Supreme Court justices to order... Uh, who is that? This is Ruth. She's my handmaid. I mean, woman leader. They actually changed the term handmaid to woman leader in the aftermath of A Handmaid's Tale because they imagine woman leader, as opposed to just leader, is somehow less creepy. Did we mention that people of praise practice speaking in tongues? Ruth says hello. I'm sorry, Justice Barrett, but your leader... Woman leader. ...can't sit in on our deliberations. Uh-huh. Okay. Ruth says, And therefore, I believe that this is a religious persecution. And she also says that I object. That's not how objections work. Uh-huh. 
Birth says bye. I thought she objected. But you're a man. So even though she believes with all of her being that this is wrong, she believes with all of her husband's being, which is the true source of her being, that the man is right. I like the new girl. Thanks, Justice Kavanaugh. Ruth told me I like you too. If I may focus our attention back to the topic of religious discrimination. Ruth and I hate religious discrimination. The court is considering taking up the case of a Muslim- Kill them! Did I mention that I like the new girl? Who believes that a large corporation- Yay, business! Unfairly discriminated- Anyone who believes in discrimination hates America! Against her. She's a Muslim and a girl? I don't like those things. I rule in favor of the large corporation. We haven't even decided to hear the case yet. But I want to rule against the Muslim woman in favor of the large corporation! Oh no, the leader meant disagree. What do I, what do I do? Ruth! Uh, I already told you she can't be here. She said bye. And then she scolded me for deliberately disobeying a band leader. I must spank myself. I am bad. The new girl's kinky. My vagina is rotten with sin. Never mind. We don't technically have a rule against it because it's never come up before, but if you would kindly refrain from self-flagellating during deliberations and put away your cell phone. But I must immediately inform Ruth of my wicked transgressions. You can't text your handmaid during deliberations. Very well, Man Leader Roberts. I shall give my phone to Man Leader Kavanaugh for safekeeping until I can return it to its rightful owner and the rightful owner of all of my property, including myself, my husband. You just got a text from Ruth. She says, <laughs> and she says to get me a beer. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Barely Audible Whisper, made possible by the following people, writer, co-host, and producer Dave Baldwin, co-host Molly Brown, writer and actor Daniel Carter-Brown, and actors Corey Burns and Ali Glonick. Please check out BarelyAudibleWhisper.com where you can subscribe to us or you can subscribe to us wherever else you subscribe to your podcasts. We appreciate your support. Ipso, Fipso. Where'd you get these dipsos? Ipso, Fipso. Where'd you get those lies? Hubris.